Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums... Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News, our weekly look at all of the things going on in the world of zoos, aquariums, conservation, and weird animal stuff. I'm excited to have you all back or to have you here for the first time. Um, it seems like the podcast is really growing lately, and I'm I'm really excited about that fact. Uh, my numbers have been kind of insane, and um, I, I just appreciate all of you that have helped grow this community and that have been a part of this community for a long time, and all of you who are new to the community. I appreciate, basically, if you're listening to this, I, John Rossi, appreciate the heck out of you. But enough uh, pandering. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I really do. But um, if this is your first time or if you uh, got hit in the head really hard and don't remember, this is Rossafari Zoo News. It is a crowdsourced news program. And uh, what that means is that you can send me any stories that you see that would be appropriate for the show. You can tag me in them on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Rossafari, on TikTok, at Pod, or email them to me, Pod at gmail.com. And uh, I may or may not use the stories, but uh, I like reading them and seeing them all. And regardless, whether I use it or not, you'll get your name in the credits at the end of the episode. You'll get to hear me say, thanks and such so that's that's pretty exciting i guess that seems like a good trade-off um yeah and so that's how this works and uh it's it's a lot of fun and a lot of interesting stuff and i'm excited to share all of this with you and speaking of sharing with you, I wanted to start off by talking about something that I've been doing on Instagram and Facebook lately called NGL, which is short for Not Gonna Lie. It is an anonymous way for people to send messages to me. They can ask questions or um, just tell me things. Uh, first of all, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I find that way more people reach out through NGL than ever have through when I just say, hey, send me messages or or ask me questions, and you actually have to attach your name to them. So that's fun, and it's been really cool kind of sharing some of who I am and some of my stories with, with y'all that way. Um, some of y'all are thirsty as heck. I'm going to just say that, and I, I enjoy all those compliments a lot, but uh, I've, I've had some friends reaching out and being like, wow, your, your fans are thirsty. So uh, yeah, okay. That's that's something that I learned, and that's also been a lot of fun, actually. Um, and so uh, I want to thank uh, my, my great fan and, and friend and former guest, Jesse Gorman, for making a suggestion, um, because I, I mentioned on there that when I didn't have an NGL up for the first time, I got messages asking me where it was. People missed it. And um, so I've decided to take Jesse's suggestion, and I'm going to do an NGL when I release an episode. Uh, it might just be every 
Tuesday. I might occasionally do it with Zoo News on Friday as well. And this might fade in like a week or two because I don't really know that NGL is going to stick around and be a big deal uh, for a long period of time. But for now, it's fun. And so think of your anonymous questions and um, comments about my butt or whatever, because you that that has happened <laughs> and uh, get ready because it will definitely be there on Tuesdays and might be on some Fridays as well. Oh, I also have one very important story that doesn't actually fit Zoo News, but that I wanted to share with all of you. Um, as of July 16th, which is the day after this episode drops, um, the suicide hotline in the United States has changed from the 11-digit number that it used to be to 988. When people call or text 988, they will be connected to trained counselors uh, with the existing lifeline network that is already there from the longer number. So if you are ever having those thoughts, if you are ever in a dark place and you really, really need to reach out, 988, that's all it is. It's like 911, but 77 better. So, uh, yeah, just please keep that in your mind. Uh, and if you ever go to one of those dark places, please reach out. And now you can even text if you're afraid to call. This is this is really exciting. And I'm really glad um, that this has happened and that there's now an easy way to reach out in those darkest moments because, uh, you know, mental health uh, issues are real. And they are. They're just they're just health issues. I was in the hospital because of an infection and um you know, for some reason, no one makes fun of that, despite the fact that it was actually a pretty funny story for those of you who uh, listened to those episodes. But uh, oftentimes people make fun of of health issues that are in the mind, mental health issues, as they call them. And um, I'm just here to say that's not cool. And if you need help, please reach out. 988. All right. Well, I think that is enough of an intro. And now I think it is time to get to an all new Parody song introducing Zoo News. Get excited, y'all. Here's my buddy Taylor Gray and I, along with Noah Pelty, having some fun. Such nerds. We are such nerds. I am such a nerd. Uh, ironically, that's actually a parody of a parody um, because early on in the pandemic, uh, Taylor and Noah uh, and I recorded My Corona, which was a parody of My Sharona that uh, Taylor and I co-wrote. And um, we recorded it remotely and you can find it on YouTube. And uh, I think I'll throw it at the end of this episode. Just uh just because I can. But all right, I want to start actual zoo news this week uh, with a pretty serious story and a call to action from our friends at Lions, Tigers, and Bears. Uh, now, you may remember that is a sanctuary out in San Diego County, California, and it is awesome. Bobby Brink, uh, the founder and uh, owner and person who just does everything there, uh, sat down with me for an interview recently. If you haven't heard it, go listen to it. She's kind of incredible and um, is just really doing some amazing stuff to help save animals. And this story ties into that. So recently in Mexico City, authorities raided a uh, black jaguar white tiger animal sanctuary uh, after pictures of the animals being in really bad shape started circulating on social media. 
Uh, in total, uh, the plan is to take 202 animals away, including monkeys, dogs, donkeys, coyotes, lions, tigers, jaguars, and other exotic big cats. Now, if you listened to the episode with Bobby Brink, you know that there are a lot of places that call themselves animal sanctuaries that don't have any form of accreditation or any governing bodies, and they do all kinds of crazy stuff, including allowing people to come in and take selfies with animals and videos and do breeding for cubs for that purpose as well. Uh, in the episode, Bobby mentions that if you ever see anything like that, anything that allows uh, cub petting or even just like, you know, selfies with dangerous animals, that is a sign that it is not a good sanctuary. And uh, this is not a good sanctuary. Of course, because it's in Mexico and because a lot of... Um, celebrities go to Mexico City where this is, this has actually been a place where a lot of celebrities have taken pictures with, you know, cubs and and donated money and done all that kind of stuff. And, and it actually uh, is a pretty well-known place in the kind of celebrity sphere, I guess you would say. And uh, that makes it all the more disgusting that they were mistreating their animals. The man who runs and owns the sanctuary, Eduardo Serio, is denying any wrongdoing. However, he is also refusing to meet with authorities and is currently uh, being sought for, um, you know, investigation into this because uh, there has been a lot of mistreatment of animals there. Uh, animals were living together in squalid conditions. Some are missing eyes or tails or whatever that were bitten off by other animals at the sanctuary. It's it's not pretty, y'all. So anyway, I mentioned that this was a call to action, and that is because lions, tigers, and bears is urging people to go to their social media, lions, tigers, underscore, and bears, and follow the link to sign a petition in order to make sure that uh, Sedima, Samarnat, and Profipa, which are the government agencies in Mexico that are currently in charge of these animals, will release them to sanctuaries in the U.S. Um, that are willing to rescue up to 60 of the big cats, provide transport, logistics, and lifetime care, and to accredited zoos and good, proper sanctuaries in Mexico, rather than just putting them into additional sanctuaries in Mexico with the whole quotes over sanctuaries because there are apparently a lot of places like this in Mexico. So while it's really cool that these 200 plus animals were rescued, it's really important that they do not go to another roadside zoo type sanctuary. They need to go to true accredited sanctuaries. So please take the time right now to go to lions, tigers, underscore, and bears on Instagram or Lions, Tigers, and Bears on Facebook. Go follow the link. It's in their stories. It's in their bio. It's everywhere. And sign that petition. Thank you so much. The Santa Fe Teaching College Zoo has announced that Adelaide, their tree kangaroo, has had her first joey back in December, and that just recently this joey has started coming out of the pouch, and you can now see the joey at the zoo between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. So I'm going to end this episode here and go book a flight. Okay, I'm kidding. 
probably. But uh, this is really exciting. Tree kangaroos have such a small population in uh, North American zoos. Um, and every Joey matters. And this is now the second one who has made an appearance at a zoo this year. So big deal. Good news. Yay! The Trevor Zoo at Millbrook School, which, as y'all know, is uh, a zoo that I love very much and is near and dear to my heart, recently received a $20,000 Learn, Play, Create grant from uh, the Dutchess County government in the state of New York. I think this is awesome, and it's a cool opportunity to share with y'all very briefly that, you know, there are actually a lot of grants and such out there for zoos, and there are people who basically a big part of their job is just applying for grants, getting that money, and then using it for whatever the grant allows them to use it for. Sometimes it's for animal care. Sometimes it's for education and outreach. It's a, it's a really fascinating thing that is out there. And, you know, governments do this for a lot of stuff. If you want to start a new small business, you might be able to get a grant. There's all kinds of really interesting things out there that can be used for very specific things. Sometimes, uh, you know, for conservation education only. Sometimes it might be a grant that exists solely to help a member of the BIPOC community start a new business or something like that. But there is a lot of stuff out there. And grant writing is a very challenging thing in the world of conservation, but something that, that people do a lot of. So maybe you should check out some grants for yourself or uh, at the very least, be thankful that they're out there for zoos and, and places like uh, the Trevor Zoo. We also have some good news out of the Nashville Zoo. Uh, two clouded leopards were born on June 30th at the zoo. It is a male and female pair, and they're actually the um, first clouded leopard cubs to be born at the zoo since 2019, uh, which is interesting because the Nashville Zoo is known for breeding clouded leopard cubs. Um, they currently house 16 clouded leopards and have welcomed 42 cubs since 2019. So it's nice to see that breeding program having some success again, and uh, it's really exciting. Also, these cubs are the uh, first offspring of their parents, uh, meaning that they are genetically significant to the population of clouded leopards in California. Activity. Uh, the cubs are being hand reared and as such will be uh, available to be seen soon in the uh, veterinary center where you can kind of see into their um, neonatal unit. That's where I first saw Lucille the Binturong when she was born there. It's very cool. So if you get a chance, go check these little goobers out and definitely hit up at Nashville Zoo to uh, see the adorable photos. One thing that I love is when zoos go out of their way to find kind of a unique way to to raise some money and get out in the community a bit. And uh, our good friends at Elmwood Park Zoo are doing just that. Um, on Sunday, July 17th, Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts will be making his first ever public signing appearance in Philadelphia at the Montgomery Mall. Uh, he's going to be there and you can get a ticket to go and see him and get a signature and a portion of the proceeds will go to support Elmwood Park Zoo and their conservation efforts. So that's pretty cool. And I just I really love that. Now, Elmwood Park Zoo is home to the Eagle mascot that flies at games and such. So the connection makes sense. But I just love that they're out in the community in this way and that they're uh, going to be making some money off of an NFL player because Lord knows they have enough. 
<laughs> but yeah, I just love any story about a zoo partnering with the community in neat ways, especially to fundraise. Okay, now for some less happy news. Thunder, a 22-year-old male chimpanzee at Albuquerque's Biopark, died last weekend from complications of a Shigella bacteria infection. The Biopark actually lost some primates from Shigella before and thought they had it under control, but this is the same strain, and it seems like maybe one of the primates may have been carrying it asymptomatically, uh, or that Thunder himself may have been carrying it and it just got more out of control. Uh, there is no indication at this time that Thunder's death signals another Shigella outbreak. This is a particularly devastating loss for everyone at the biopark, as Thunder and his twin sister Rainy were born at a medical lab during a thunderstorm, which is where the names come from, and uh, went to the biopark in March of 2002 without their adults, and as such, they were raised by the biopark staff. Condolences to the entire ABQ biopark team. And speaking of sad news, a second elephant has died at Zurich Zoo from the EEHV virus that has been causing so much destruction to elephant populations, both in captivity and in the wild. This time, the victim was an eight-year-old Asian elephant named Omisha, and she died two weeks to the day after her two-year-old brother, Umesh, died from the same disease. Now, if you've listened to other episodes, you know that they are currently working on treatment plans and vaccinations for EEHV, but things are up in the air right now. Uh, I can't help but think that every death right now is going to be remembered as one of hopefully the last ones before we are able to solve this crisis, uh, but that doesn't make the loss any less painful. So uh, again, condolences to the keepers and staff at the Zurich Zoo. All right, so let's move on to some happier news. Uh, Zoo Knoxville recently announced the birth of an African lion cub. Uh, the female cub was born on June 16th, only six months after the last two cubs of this mated pair uh, were born. Um, the mother of the cub is named Amara, and while the cub came out absolutely healthy— Amara did experience complications during the birth. Uh, it turned out that she wasn't seeming very well, and so they did an ultrasound, and they saw that a stillborn cub was lodged in the birth canal. Veterinarians from the University of Tennessee College of Veterinary Medicine quickly performed emergency surgery, and the surgery was successful, but Amara was really slow to rebound. And further tests diagnosed acute renal insufficiency. The good news is that this can be treated with medication, and um, the care team is cautiously optimistic that they will be able to continue to take care of her with oral meds, fluid therapy, and additional care, which she has been trained to participate in voluntarily. Uh, as of the latest report, Amara is doing well. She is bright, acting more like her usual self, and most importantly, caring appropriately for her cub. And I only say that's most importantly because, you know, it, it shows that she's healthy. I, I'm not saying that the health of the cub is more important than the health of the mother. I understand that is a sensitive topic right now. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it's really freaking cool that she's doing well enough to take care of the cub even while still recovering herself. What a badass woman. Good job, Amara, and congrats to everyone at Zoo Knoxville. The Oklahoma City Zoo recently announced the birth of two critically endangered Sumatran tigers. 
The Mother, named Lola, which is also the name of my acoustic guitar, is doing well and is taking care of the two cubs perfectly, so so far keepers have not interacted with them at all, merely are observing through video. The plan is that in a few weeks, the veterinary team will conduct physical exams on the cubs to obtain their weights, measurements, and to determine their gender, but at this point, it's just Lola and the cubs doing tiger things on their own. While the cubs won't be available to be seen for quite some time, when they do get out on exhibit, make sure you run to the Oklahoma City Zoo to check them out, because tiger cubs are real cute, y'all. Okay, so y'all know that I'm obsessed with binturongs, and you also know that I have a great relationship with Paul Reinhardt, the panda keeper at uh, the Cincinnati Zoo, and have gotten to know the pandas there. So I'm really excited to announce to you that Ross Park Zoo has recently announced the arrival of two binturongs, Jumari and Akila. And the arrival of Mimi, who is Lynn's cub from last year, the bottle brush cub that you've seen pictures of and I've talked about on here before, all at Ross Park Zoo. So uh, in a completely unrelated story, I'm planning a trip to Ross Park Zoo as soon as I can to see my friend Mimi again and to catch these new binturongs. Okay, that wasn't actually unrelated. And speaking of red panda babies, uh, you may remember that Ravi is the new red panda cub at Greensboro Science Center. And uh, right now, if you want to make a picture welcoming Ravi to the center or to the world and send it to the center, they will hang those pictures up in Ravi's room. Isn't that adorable? Uh, I will put the address in the show notes, and then you can go ahead and send your pictures to uh, to Ravi to welcome him to the world. I'm definitely going to have Miles do one of these and not just do one myself, maybe? Question mark. And last but not least for Zoo News, some... Zoos and uh, sanctuaries, including Lion Country Safari in Loxahatchee, Florida, and yes, I'm only using them as an example because I wanted to say Loxahatchee, Florida, uh, are joining a research project called AIRS, which is short for American Institute of Rhino Science, and they're doing a program where crashes of rhinos will be given fitness trackers, and the goal is to see just how they're using their space, and are they, quote, getting enough steps and closing their rings and to quote do anthropomorphize as much as uh the people in the project do uh when describing it to humans so that's pretty cool and uh it's going to be interesting to see exactly what they discover i i will tell you i doubt they'll have to do it on juvenile rhinos because i have seen them run and trust me they get their steps in but you know a lot of times it seems like rhinos are just kind of standing there so it's going to be interesting to see what they find about captive rhino crashes from this project Conservation, conservation, news time oh yeah red panda network recently announced the vaccination of 1254 dogs for rabies in uh western nepal's jajarkot district i'm probably saying that wrong Um, But yeah, dogs are actually a primary threat to red pandas in Nepal. Uh, They are frequently killed by free-roaming dogs, uh, either through uh, predation or through the transmission of rabies and canine distemper. Um, So in nine days in a row, Red Panda Network set up vaccination booths in nine locations uh, in the area where 889 local villagers were able to have their dogs vaccinated for free. Uh, Stray dogs in the area also received vaccines.
scenes, which is really, really cool. And I just, I love these kinds of things. It's just something that, you know, sitting in America, you don't think about that, um, over in Nepal, these pets don't get vaccinated as regularly, and that can threaten red pandas. Who knew? But uh, apparently the answer to that question is Red Panda Network knew, and they did something about it. Awesome work as always, my friends. And speaking of red pandas, because I know what y'all want, or at least what I want, uh, China has announced plans to create five new national parks covering an area of 230,000 square kilometers, uh, which is almost the size of the entire UK. Uh, this is really exciting. And uh, in the areas that they are setting aside, there are hundreds of threatened and endangered species, including red pandas, Amur tigers, leopards, and giant pandas, those big goobers get some extra help too. So uh, this is really exciting news out of China. And I have two good stories for whales. Not that I think any whales listen to the podcast because um, iPhones get damaged in the ocean. But uh, anyway... A federal judge recently ruled that NOAA fisheries violated the Endangered Species Act and Marine Mammal Protection Act by not adequately protecting North Atlantic right whales from fishing gear entanglements. That's really good news, as those entanglements are the leading cause of death of the critically endangered species. Um, and right now, in case you're wondering, there are about 336 uh, North Atlantic right whales out there right now. So that's scary. That's a small number. Um, but yeah, this is a really big deal, uh, this ruling, because actual enforcement of the law will hopefully get fisheries to clean up their act and help save these whales. And speaking of good news for whales, fin whales, which were once considered endangered, have staged an amazing comeback. Fin whales had almost been hunted to extinction, and now they are back in their ancestral feeding grounds off the coast of Antarctica in huge pods that are eating a ton of krill and just thriving. Some of the pods, which are engaging in huge feeding frenzies right now, are as large as 150 whales in a single pod. That is so cool to hear about. Now, you may be wondering what has caused this wonderful reversal. Well, um, the groups in charge of figuring out how much whaling should be allowed after hunting them almost to extinction decided that no one was allowed to hunt fin whales. And people listened, and it was enforced, and now the population is thriving. This is such a great story because it shows how some basic you know, legislation and paying attention to what's going on and being willing to give up some profit in order to save the planet can actually work. Yay that. Of course, the problem with counting on legislation to uh, help take care of conservation is that sometimes legislators suck. Uh, for the last 85 years, the Federal Aid in Wildlife Restoration Act in the United States, which is also known as the Pittman-Robertson Act, has raised billions of dollars for research into wildlife and also for habitat acquisition. The bill is funded by a 10 to 11 percent excise tax on hunting and fishing gear, including firearms, and uh, it is arguably the most important source of conservation funding in the entire United States. 
However, a new law that has been proposed by Representative Andrew Clyde of Georgia is trying to eliminate this tax, saying that uh, because gun rights are guaranteed in the Second Amendment, that they should not be allowed to be taxed as an excise. Uh, The bill is named Return, standing for Repealing Excise Tax on Unalienable Rights Now. Now is definitely a stretch just to make it have a catchy name, but whatever, um, would eliminate this tax and the funding that it gives directly to conservation. This is especially disappointing because hunters often say that, you know, population control, but also the money that they give to conservation through this tax and other ways are proof that hunters are in fact conservationists. A controversial subject that we've discussed on here a lot and uh, that I think actually does have a lot of nuance. Way too much to put into this story, but it's, it's definitely interesting. The other sad part about it to me as I read through everything that's being said is that Representative Clyde seems to be doing this less because of any real concern about the tax and everything and more because gun rights are a hot topic right now and uh, Republicans know that their people will vote for them if they do stuff to make access to guns easier, which is, you know, something I feel strongly about but doesn't fit this podcast. But I don't I don't like representative Clyde very much. I'm just, I'm just going to say that never met the dude, but probably don't want to grab drinks with him next time I'm visiting zoo Atlanta. But let this be yet another reminder that midterm elections are coming up. And uh, if you care about the environment and environmental laws, most of the time there's really only one way to vote. And I'm not going to tell you what that is uh, because, you know, that's not my job. But uh, if you do care about that stuff and it's really important to you, make sure you actually do get out and vote. Midterm elections have a horrible percentage of eligible voters that actually come out to vote. And uh, if more of those people did because they care about things like this, then uh, things might look a little different in this country. Just saying. And last but not least in conservation news this week, a sighting of an American black vulture has confused some people because it was sighted in Nepal. So this the reason I'm even bringing this up, it's an interesting story in and of itself. But this is the third time recently that I have had a story about a bird just being somewhere that it really shouldn't be. And in this case, they don't even think it could have actually flown there from the Americas. They don't think that it, it could have made it. Um, so uh, does this mean that bird trafficking is increasing and this and maybe those other birds were ones that had escaped? Does it mean that there is a zoo or something that let this one go and that that's been happening more? Maybe some uh, less than reputable place where it escaped from? I don't know. But it stands out to me that this is now the third time in the last couple of months that I've been sharing a story with you of a bird being like on the wrong side of the world. And that just that scares me a little bit. You know, trends are are sometimes nothing. Sometimes it's there are there are three zoos that lost a bird or something. And sometimes it means that trafficking's getting worse or it might mean that, you know, all the stuff that I just said. I don't know why I'm repeating myself. But yeah, this is an interesting story and uh they don't know what they're going to do about it. Right now the bird seems to be doing fine and thriving and and everything. So um yeah, it's it's an interesting situation to see a new world vulture in the old world vulture space. It's time for other news. It's time for other news. Hey, no, right now, right now, it's time. It's time for other news. Hey, 
Okay, so I want to start this one with a quick conversation about monkeypox, which is a disease that I know very little about and am not going to take the time to learn right now because my life is hectic. Um, however, the thing I wanted to let you know is that the Washington Post recently published an opinion piece. Keep in mind, it's an opinion piece, not a fact-based research piece, saying that monkeypox is now a pandemic, and unless we declare an emergency and act quickly to combat it, we risk repeating the same mistakes we made with COVID. Um, and I saw a lot of people freaking out about that, but many, many really brilliant immunologists and scientists have come out and absolutely ripped the piece to shreds. The author... Eric Feigl-Ding is not an expert in the subject and already has a history of fear-mongering and inaccurate statements about the current monkeypox outbreak. And uh, it seems like he's just trying to trade in on what is going on for fame. So if you happened to see the monkeypox uh, Washington Post piece and got freaked out, you probably don't have to be too freaked out right now. Um Unless, you know, eventually it gets worse and, and then you do have to freak out. But for now, no freaking out. Yay. A new Barbie doll is being released that is made out of recycled plastics and is modeled after Dr. Jane Goodall. Dr. Goodall said that she is absolutely delighted to see herself as a Barbie doll, and it is actually something that she has long dreamed of happening, which I think is adorable. And she hopes that her Barbie will inspire little girls everywhere. Uh, well, Jane, I will tell you that you and this Barbie doll inspire the hell out of this little girl. Wait. Anyway, I just think this is really cool, and it's nice to see conservation getting into the hands of a younger generation. I've actually noticed a lot of Lego sets recently that are focused on that theme as well. So good job, Toy World. The United States Postal Service has announced a new stamp called the Elephants Forever stamp, which features a fanciful digital illustration of an elephant interacting with its young calf, depicting the affectionate nature of elephants. The stamps will be available on Friday, August 12th at 11 a.m. Central. Who puts anything in Central? That was such a weird thing for the post office to do. But anyway, for my younger fans, stamps are things that you put on envelopes and then put pieces of paper in them to send to people. It's like the thing when you hit the send button on your email, only you're going through a snail mail, um, as, as, as people call it. Yeah, so that's how people used to communicate before we all had computers and computers in our pockets and stuff. And now you know. And last, but certainly not least, I highly recommend that you go to at CBS Sunday on Twitter to find their reporting on a dog named Dexter who lost a leg in an accident and has uh, taken the concept of adaptive behavior to a whole new level. Dexter uses upright locomotion. In other words, he stands on his hind legs and jogs like a human. Watching it is ridiculous and adorable, and I cannot believe this dog is doing this. Dogs are awesome. I love them, despite the fact that, as I'm saying this, Paradiddle is trying to jerk my arm away from the computer because she wants to play, and I need to finish this podcast and get it out to my fans. Paradiddle, what are you doing, Goober? Yeah, you. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. I love you. Animal, animal, animal holidays. Animal, animal, animal holidays.
All right. So it is still July, which means it is Parks and Recreation Month, Plastic Free July, National Bison Month, and Wild About Wildlife Month. And then we get to our individual days. And on the 15th, it is Arctic Sea Ice Day and I Love Horses Day. The 16th is Guinea Pig Appreciation Day. I know my friend Laura is going to love that day. And World Snake Day, which is weird since snakes like to eat guinea pigs. Maybe it's the snakes that are appreciating the guinea pigs. I don't know. But anyway, the 17th to the 23rd is both Coral Reef Awareness Week and National Zookeeper Week, which is like, you know, a pretty big deal for this podcast. Big fan of that. And then on Thursday, the 21st, it is Andean Bear Day. And those are your animal holidays for the week. All right, we did it. Another week of Rasafari Zoo News is in the books. I'd like to say thank you to Lara Shank, my Red Panda level patron, and to all of my patrons for contributing to the podcast. I'd also like to say thank you to everybody who contributed a story this week. Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Jacob Newman, Dylan Hoy, Liz Dunlevy, Crystal Chapman, Carrie Kirkpatrick, Kristen Khalil, Megan Barrett, Ren Howell, and Jesse Gorman. Also, I've put the address for Ravi and the direct link to the Lions, Tigers, and Bear thing that I want you to sign, you know, your call to action, go do the thing, in the show notes. So go click on those and do the thing, y'all. Um, and remember, I'm also going to stick uh, my Corona at the end of the credits this week. And um, yeah, y- y- the the video, if you look on, on YouTube, is, is whew, it's something else. We were goofy early on in the pandemic, y'all. But uh, anyway, remember, friends, the words newsy credits backwards are Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.
dude. Uh, oh, sorry about that. 